With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, this morning, again, we're looking at uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, at this, uh, at this idea of childlike faith. Um, we looked, if you remembered last week, we were looking at the parable of the persistent widow and, uh, and the encouragement that we should all have in, in, uh, in our persistent prayer life. Um, I hope that that has been a word that has challenged you this past week. Um, and as we, as again, we look this morning uh, at the story uh, of Jesus and the little children um, and how he uh, responded to them as they were brought to him. To him. Um, you know, children have it good nowadays, if you really think about it. Uh, but, you know, we make that comment. And I think every generation, uh, as, we, as they get older, they look back at the children and they say, the children of this generation have it better than my generation. I think, you know, even my parents probably looked at me and said, oh, you, you children have it so much better than we had it. And again, I think it's just one of those cycles that just continues uh, as we look at the children of our day. But I, I really want to pause for a second and say that I really do think that today's children have it much better than we do in a lot of ways. Um, now, obviously, they face a lot as they get to be teenagers, and we're, we're not going to go to that point this morning. But uh, when we think about children, uh, we, we see, I, I think about my sister's kids uh, as, as I, I see them and, and how my, my parents, who are the grandparents, react around, uh, around my sister's children. Again, Sarah and I don't have ch- children, and so it was oftentimes what we witnessed with other families. But I see that my sister's kids get to pick where we go eat. They get to uh, pick uh, what, what we're going to eat for dinner, what we're going to have for dessert, where, where we're going to go to have fun, what we're going to do, what movie we're going to watch. can't tell you how many times I've been over there and, and hit their list on their, uh, on their DVR and all these children's programs. Are, and, and I get told, don't you record anything, because if you do, it might delete one of those programs for the children. So it just seems like the grandkids get spoiled. And I think, you know, some people say if we could have, I think Guy was saying a couple weeks ago, if we could have had the grandkids and, we, and spared the kids, we would have just gone that, done that. So, uh, so know how much you, you guys are loved back there. Um, and don't even get me started on birthdays and Christmas. I, good gracious. I, I can remember it was, a, it was a miracle if on Christmas my, my grandparents got me something other than a sweater, you know, or clothing. It was always something I didn't even want to wear either. It was not, you know, the, the, the thing to wear. So uh, don't even get me started. Again, I, walk in, I walked in a couple years ago uh, around Christmas time in my parents' house, and I mean just it looked like Santa Claus had just already come and just, dumped presents all over the house. I mean, it was just, and we had like two. So, um, you know, that's just, that's just the way it is. But, uh, yeah. What, what can't be debated, though, is that children nowadays have a much more relational value uh, than in history. And, uh, and I think that is good. Uh, even my grandparents shared stories about how little they were involved relationally 
um, with their parents, and, and adults for that matter. Uh, they were looked at as more of property or as helpers uh, around the farm or around the business. Uh, my granddad told me once that he only remembered his father telling him twice in his life that he loved him. Um, it, I don't think it meant that he didn't. He came from a very great family, but it was just what parents did. It was how adults related to children in those days. Um, I can remember even my grandmother uh, telling me stories about how children were seen and not heard. Um, and if they were heard, or, or if you heard the children, they uh, uh, were disciplined. When we look at today's gospel story, Jesus mimics the behavior uh, of that much more in tune with today's perspective on children than the time he was existing in. As he seems to desire to spend a valuable amount of time with these children. With the story, this story along with the story which follows of the rich young ruler being, uh, being set in his place, if you will, being told uh, what, the, what the deal is about um, the kingdom of God or eternity, Jesus demonstrates the importance of treating those that we often look at in society of, of humble status with kindness and favor. And so with that, I, I want to um, read the word this morning as we look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. If you've got your copy, if you'd follow along, or I think it's on the screen as well. Um, Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 15. We, people were also bringing babies to Jesus to have them, Him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. There are, there are three takeaways, if you will, uh, from Jesus' interaction with the children here in our text. He wants, he wants them first brought to him. He, he, he secondly rebukes those who stand in between him and the children. And finally, we are encouraged to be like them, to be like children when we approach this idea of an inheriting the kingdom of God or inheriting uh, eternity. So first we look at this idea that Jesus desires the children to be brought to Him. A couple of years ago, I had a chance to go to a Bobcats game, and, and, and Michael Jordan was giving a, a, a kind of a press conference, kind of a, a town hall meeting before uh, the game. And so we got there early. Uh, you had to have a special invitation. The, the gentleman that took me had that invitation, and we got there. We were in the front of the line, we got on the front row, and we got to sit there and watch Michael Jordan just a few feet away give uh, uh, basically his vision for the Bobcats at the time. Now they're being the Hornets. And uh, obviously they were not very good at the time. They actually won that night. They beat the Golden State Warriors, but now they're in the title and are possibly going to win a championship. Um, but I can remember at the end of that speech, which it, for, first of all, for me to be able to see Michael Jordan, I'm a, I grew up a big Carolina basketball fan, obviously, uh, so I had an affinity for Michael Jordan. Obviously, when I grew up in, in the 80s, watching Michael Jordan play basketball, 
uh, and, and then even into the 90s. Uh, I can remember thinking when he hit that shot against the Utah Jazz, gosh, this is just, I am witnessing just a piece of history. Hit, witnessing something we'll, we'll never see again. The, the best basketball player to ever play the game. And so here I am just a couple of feet away, and I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is just amazing. I can't believe I'm this close to Michael Jordan. And of course, when, when, the, game, when the, the meeting, the town hall meeting was over, everybody just rushed to the, the stage and were trying their best to get to Michael Jordan to get an autograph. Even the guy I was with, who was about 30 years older than me, pushed me out of the way <laughs> and, and, and jumped up there with his, his uh, I think it was a t-shirt, and, and he got an autograph. So, and I had my little basketball and I sat there and you know, was saddened and had to be consoled. And I mean, literally, I was right there and pushed out. I mean, I, just the desire for so many people to want to get close to Michael Jordan again. It was almost like he, was, he had some type of power that if you could just get close to him, it would like rub off on you. That's, that's how people seem to approach Michael Jordan. Well, in, in a lot of ways, I imagine that some of the people in the area uh, of Judea and, and in the area of Galilee, when Jesus was in that area and he would come into a town, I imagine some people who have heard all the miracles and all the things he's done might be trying to, to get to Jesus. And so there might be crowds of people trying to, to, to get whatever he had. Whatever uh, miracle they might could receive from them. Now, now, granted, most people were going to Jesus because they wanted something. Uh, and so you have these people who are approaching Jesus likely uh, to receive some type of healing. Crowds seem to gravitate where the action is. And in the midst of these crowds of people, people started bringing children to Jesus. And he welcomes it for really three reasons. First of all, he welcomes it because he was a healer. And, and, and we know that in ancient times, they didn't have modern medicine. They didn't have the kind of uh, tools that we have today. So when often uh, in ancient times and then always through the years, the infant mortality rate was very high. And, and even children who were born... Um, might, be, might become sick or might receive some type of, uh, of germ that, but that they would be unable to be able to deal with. And so often they would take children that might be sick or that they might fear uh, that they would become sick to a healer so that they would be able to be protected. And so in a lot of ways we know that people were bringing children to Jesus as the scripture says in verse 15, to have him touch them. So that, that maybe that miracle, maybe that healing or, or that power would extend to their children. Secondly, we know that we see from the word that he also desires a relationship with these children. As mentioned before, in ancient times, the value of children was very little. Uh, they were only valued in their present or future contribution. Uh, when they were babies or children, they, they didn't offer much. But as they became uh, older and were part of, uh, again, the, the business, or, or, or again, whether they were farmers or, car again, as Jesus was a carpenter, he would have at some point learned uh, the trade and become a part of that, uh, that business. Uh, children really weren't looked at as, as 
uh, as uh, people who were valued to have a relationship with. But Jesus seems to desire something a little more. Mark's version, Mark's gospel's version, uh, says in Mark chapter 10, verse 16, that Jesus took the children in his arms and blessed them. In other words, he, he put his arms around them and spoke a prayer of blessing to them. So he went a little bit further than just trying to provide some type of healing. He, he wanted to be in relationship with them. He wanted to interact with them. We all know what an embrace can do, a hug, a, just a touch, especially for children. They need to be touched. They need to be held. They need to, be, uh, they need to have uh, someone relate to them. Often it's the mother. But Jesus seems to take on this role as he grabs them in his arms and blesses them. And then finally we see that he wants the children brought to them to him because he wants to teach us a little something about humility. Bringing children to Jesus really in a lot of ways turned the society right there in that moment on its head. Because again, children weren't seen to be a, a people of value at that moment. And so uh, to bring them to Jesus and to have time carved out for him, that's why the disciples seemed to rebuke the people bringing children because they saw these children and thought that there was no time for Jesus to spend with the children. No time for play time, no time for relationship. We've got work to do. Oh, we can almost see Peter saying, come on, Jesus, we've got to do stuff. We've got to, go, we've got to get busy. And we've got to get this thing moving. And so he teaches us through this desire to have the children brought to him that we all should have humility in who we look to bring to Jesus. Sometimes I think we approach others in our society and, and we want to bring uh, uh, those to church that maybe we're most familiar with, our friends or, or, or people that we work with, those that we have something in common with. But often in Scripture we're challenged to go to the very least in our society, to those that, that oftentimes we look, uh, almost, almost we look down on. Those are the people often that need to be in church the most the people we need to target the most, the people we need to be mindful of the most because, after all, that is what our Savior modeled. So this idea of humility leads us to our, 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 our next takeaway from this interaction with the children because Jesus is teaching us to reach out to the least of these, not to keep them away so he goes on to rebuke those who wish to stand in the way of him and the children of the world. Again, Mark's gospel says Jesus became indignant. Have you ever reflected on how Jesus is often portrayed in film? Uh, even, even by Christians who, who will put uh, a character of Jesus in their movie. I won't go so far as to say it's blonde hair, blue eyes any longer, but it tends to be some really attractive individual. That's who tends to get in the movies anyway. But we think about the fact that often even our image in our own minds of Jesus is often of this 
of this meek and mild, just this real kind and gentle. You know, again, he's all well put together. Maybe he would be here with a suit, a tie. I'm not sure. But often we see Jesus getting to know the people on a very common level. Again, getting to know people uh, and desiring to get to know the people that, again, many of us in our society look down on. And the truth is, we even see several instances in Scripture in which Jesus basically loses his cool, loses his temper, and seems to get just angry. And again, do we often have that view of Jesus? No, we usually tend to have, again, a very meek and mild Jesus, when yet we see him often being very bold and speaking very harsh words to those who need to hear them, and even us today. The disciples thought that they were doing right by Jesus. The disciples were simply thinking Jesus' time shouldn't be taken away by persons of such little importance, especially with this rich ruler standing in the wings. That's something we haven't mentioned yet. But this rich young ruler is standing in the wings ready to meet Jesus. Maybe the disciples were thinking, hey, this is our next building project. We can get this guy. He can, he can, he can uh, give us all kinds of money and we can go and do all of these things for the, for the temple or for the, uh, for the synagogue. We can do all these things for, uh, for the people in our community because there's this really rich young ruler that's standing here waiting to meet with us. So why would you spend time, Jesus, on, on these little children? You know, so often, again, we, we get so focused on, on how we think that we ought to act or, or where we ought to go or things we ought to do in our society so that we can further the cause, further the mission of Jesus Christ. And often it's the most simplest of things, just spending some time with the people. We spend our time in life, I'm afraid, trying to please the rich young rulers when God has in mind for us to be spending much more time with the least of these. The challenge for us here is to reflect on who God might be calling us to serve here and now, individually and as a church. This is further communicated when, when the alarm to do not hinder in verse 16 comes into play. So not only is Jesus angry and not only does he rebuke and, and become indignant as Mark's gospel says, but he even goes a step further and says, do not hinder these children. It's a warning for the disciples to never get in the way of the mission, never get in the way of the desire for Christ to impact the lives of, of those that He desires to impact. In other words, we, whether we are active in going somewhere to serve, we must always be mindful that we do not discourage other people to have access to Jesus Christ. You see, the truth is people are watching even, even right here in this VFW building, we know that there are many, even, even just those that are in the VFW, that know who we are, and often they've spoken a lot of thanks for things we've done around here. But they, they do more than just see the things we do. They, they watch. People in your neighborhoods watch you if you are, 
are very active and passionate about your faith. If, you, if you're very active and passionate about your faith, trust me, people at work are going to notice and watch your actions. Your friends, your family. And are we doing anything to hinder their growth? We must examine ourselves and, and, and be sure that we are not hindering the message of the gospel. That as we look around at the people that might be looking at us and, and witnessing our faith in action, are we sure that we are not discouraging them? This is where our, our third takeaway develops into focus into how we should act. Jesus wants us to be like the children, the Scripture says. Sarah and I have some good friends, David and Tori. They, they live back east. They, I would say they're probably our best friends. We've gone on vacations with them. Uh, we have uh, done all kinds of things together. And You put David and I in a room together for a few minutes and... It doesn't take long, and one of our spouses are crying out to us, would y'all start stop acting like children and, and act your age? How many times have you been told that as an adult? Act your age. Bill, I know you have been. Preach <laughs> it. <laughs> But it boils down to it. You know, Jesus actually does seem to encourage us to emulate the children. This is actually a time where Jesus would say, Don't act your age, act like the children. And he doesn't go on to give us details about how children act and how we should act like this because they are children, but but I think we can take some of the characteristics of children and reflect on what he means. Because the scripture says, at the end of verse 17, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. You know, when I think about children, the first thing that comes to mind is innocence. I think about how innocent a child is. How often they even approach life with that that innocence. We know that as we get older, sin enters our lives and we begin to make very conscious choices to turn away from that innocence and turn to that darkness. We turn to the sin, to things that, that cause us to, to, to not look so innocent anymore. So I think, you know, we are encouraged in God's Word often to make sure we reflect on the sin in our lives and that we, we do more than just notice it, that we actually do something about it, that we turn away from that sin, that we, that we turn and repent and, and, and come back to the teachings of Christ that make us innocent once more because we know that it's because of Jesus Christ, because of His shed blood, we can be declared Righteous before God. When I think about children, another characteristic that comes to mind is their openness to the future. 
their openness to, to taking chances, risk-taking. Risk I mean, I don't know what we really call children risk-takers. Well, we call some children risk-takers. But think about it. Children don't know sometimes what's coming tomorrow. They, they don't think about next week, next month, next year. They think about the here and now, that they're, they're responding to the things around them. And I think so often, especially as a church, we can get a little bit in a dangerous spot when we think so far ahead. When God's putting something right here in front of us that we need to be focused on. Focusing on the here and now. And then going a step further and taking risks, taking chances, being, be, being willing to, to fail. I mean, that's something, that's how children learn, right? Children learn from, from their failures. Children learn by, by, by making a mistake. They learn that putting that, you know, hot sauce in their mouth, it's not good, unless you like hot sauce. <laughs> they know that, you know, doing certain things are, are not good often because it might hurt them or they might, again, they might make a mistake. So are we willing as a church to maybe make some mistakes? Or are we always playing it safe? And then I think, which goes along with that, I think something that children often emulate is an abundance of trust. Abundance of trust in, in, in those around them. Especially adults. They, they trust that those that are watching them, that are taking care of them, have their best interests at heart. And I think often in this life we, we are hurt by people, we get betrayed by people and, and, and because of, of a lack of forgiveness. Think about how quick a child forgives. If you say, I'm sorry, a child's back playing with you in five minutes. How often do, do we hold on to things for weeks, months, years? Uh, even talking with Scott yesterday, he, he was, again, talking a little bit more about the Eddings family and to hear you know, them talk so much about forgiveness and what they just experienced. I mean, that's, that's, that's enormous for us to really reflect on, I, I think. So are we forgiving? Are we people that, that learn to trust those around us and trust that, trust that God has our best interest at heart and that he's putting the things in front of us to take that step out there and to trust that he's going to be there for us that he's going to be there to push us forward. One of my fondest memories as a child is using molds to make Christmas cookies. Even now, my mom still saves me dough when I go home. I get my dough. I eat it. I don't cook it. <laughs> but I still put it in. I got a mold. I, I make a cookie, and I eat it. But I eat it raw. But it's, it's, it's still good. You know, Jesus came and he lived his life and he sacrificed his life so that we would have a mold to emulate. Ultimately, so that we would have a mold to fit into. The mold is the kingdom of God, if you will. And we're challenged to fit into that mold. And part of that is to receive what he offers us as a child. To have a, a kind of childlike faith. It sounds simple. 
Sounds like something even a child might could do. But that's the gospel. It's not complicated. It's not complex. It, it's, in a lot of ways, it's childlike. Do we have that childlike faith in which we're able to accept the will of God and have it propel us forward as we work to enhance His kingdom? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we, as we close this morning, and we think about the children that we've seen grow through the years, we reflect on David and Michael as we've seen them grow, and we've seen them mature into young men, and we often give the wrong message. We try to tell them to grow up, to go off and be mature, to make adult decisions. And while those things are maybe important when it comes to living the practical life, what we should never, what we should never do is discourage the childlike faith that ought to remain in each one of us. Lord, I know as I reflect, when I was a child and I first came to know who Jesus Christ was, I know what it felt like. I know the excitement that I had. And there may be adults here that, that they, they came to know Christ at a very later age. Maybe, maybe they weren't a child. But what we, I think we all understand is what it, what it was like to first come to that knowledge of Jesus Christ. How exciting we were and how there, there seemed to be just a, a vibrantness, uh, just a... a willingness to really take chances, to step out on faith and to trust the Holy Spirit's leading and guidance. It's often when we've been following for years, when we've maybe grown a little stagnant, maybe grown a little stale, that we begin to make very safe choices and safe decisions, and we forget maybe like the disciples did today, that every individual is important to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're challenging us right now as a church to, to get out into this community and to reach out to the, to the least in our society, those that maybe we would look upon and say, maybe they don't deserve to be around us. Lord, shame on us for ever having any of those thoughts. Shame on us for hearing the gospel message and seeing how you reach out to those that society casts aside. Lord, may we be challenged to, to take those chances, to take those steps, to follow your guidance and leading. May your Holy Spirit challenge us this morning as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.